Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Kickoff, brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my fill-in producer and one of two people who I know I can message at 2 a.m. and he will still be awake, Clinton. Tuma went to bed early so he could, quote, support his girlfriend when she runs the Boston Marathon tomorrow. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that excuse, I would be a rich man. But you guys know the deal with Mondays. I'm going to run through the injury news really, really quickly, and then I'm going to get to my five biggest takeaways. But before we get into it, let's talk about our October giveaway, which is a signed Kyler Murray jersey. You guys must know how to enter by now. Just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or CastBox, and then go to Fantasy Pros dot com slash kickoff to enter and if you are subscribed to the fantasy pros youtube channel over at youtube.com slash fantasy pros then you get three times the entries also let's talk about tick pick and how they're giving away season ticket packages to your favorite nfl team worth three thousand dollars and how you need to really be going to tick pick anytime you're going to an nfl game they have teamed up with zip the buy now pay later service provider to give away the five huge season ticket packages for the 2022 NFL season. You guys know they have already drawn one winner. They're going to draw another winner every single month from now until February for 2022 season tickets to their favorite NFL team. Again, each package, it's valued at $3,000. It's a no-brainer. You don't lose anything by entering. Want to enter? Go to TickPick.com slash pros. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash pros. All right, before we get into my five biggest takeaways, let's talk about the big injuries from Sunday, and it begins with all of your giants. Saquon Barkley suffered a low ankle sprain and he's likely to miss next week against the Rams. Just a terrible break here as he stepped on a defender's foot and then turned his ankle. The good news, obviously, is that nothing is broken. It's not a high ankle sprain, so he should hopefully be back within the two weeks. But Devonta Booker is going to be a priority pickup for running back needy teams, hopefully just as a one-week filler. Kenny Galladay also left the game against the Cowboys with a hyperextended knee. He'll have an MRI on Monday. Again, hopefully this is something he can just play through, but we should know more about it today. Finally, Daniel Jones suffered a concussion, and he is entering the concussion protocol. It was a pretty vicious hit on Jones, so let's just wait and see here. Obviously, we saw Teddy Bridgewater clear the concussion protocol this week. You guys know by now that concussions are unpredictable, so again, just wait and see. But if Mike Lennon is the starter, it obviously hurts that entire offense. Joe Burrow was taken to a local hospital because of a throat contusion. Now, Burrow played the entire game here, so I'm really not sure when this happened, but he was reportedly having difficulty even talking after the game, which is why they brought him to the hospital. There's optimism that he is going to be ready for week six against Detroit, but obviously, again, just wait and see here. Damian Harris was in and out of the game against the Texans with a chest injury. He left, he came back, then he left again for good. No idea of the severity of this one, but for now, expect him to play next week against the Cowboys. I haven't seen anything that makes me think this is a long-term injury. Taysom Hill was carted off the field against the Washington football team with a concussion. Same deal as Jones here. It's just wait and see, but obviously, you are not starting Hill in fantasy for now, so not too much of an impact there. Juju Smith-Schuster left the Steelers-Broncos game with a shoulder injury. I do not know the severity of this one, but I think it's just time to drop Juju. Guys, there's no production, even on his best day. There's no reason to wait through a shoulder injury. It's Najee Harris. It's Deontay Johnson. And it looks like it's Chase Claypool, but it's not Juju. You can go ahead and move on. Curtis Samuel left the game against the Saints after aggravating his groin injury. Again, there is no reason to roster Samuel at this point either. There just does not seem to be adequate potential for him to stay healthy this year. Quintus Cephas suffered a shoulder injury. No details here. 
But the word from the Lions camp sounds pretty pessimistic, actually, so do not expect Cephas to suit up next week against the Bengals at the very least. And Deontay Harris left the game against Washington with an injured hamstring, though he did catch a long touchdown pass first. You aren't relying on Deontay Harris anyway, so no need to belabor this point. All right, let's get to my five biggest takeaways from an action-packed Sunday, and number one is that Kyle Pitts has arrived. Probably. Now, let's be straight here, okay? Had Pitts not had a big game against the Jets, it would have been full-on panic mode, right? I mean, no Calvin Ridley, not even Russell Gage. I ranked Pitts as my fourth tight end this week, and I felt like that was even going to be a little low. I had moved him back and forth between third and fourth all week long, but this had to be the week for him, and thankfully it was. He totaled nine catches on 10 targets for 119 yards and a touchdown. Now, we all knew that this was lurking somewhere, right? He's an elite physical specimen. He was running a ton of routes. He looked the part every time he got the ball in his hand. Eventually, he was going to pop. All right, so why is it only that he has arrived? Probably. Because it's worth noting that Pitts played just 69% of the snaps. That is about where he has played all year. So this could have been the full breakout game, or it could have just been the product of the lack of other options. I mean, what do things look like when Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage get back and Cordero Patterson isn't leaving for a little bit with a potential concussion? Now, I'm personally of the opinion that we can't put the genie back in the bottle here, but the snap count is something that you need to be aware of before you go running out and buying high. Number two, Jamar Chase is probably just a wide receiver one rest of season. Now, I had been suggesting, admittedly, at least earlier in the season, that Chase should be a sell-high candidate. Seemed a little touchdown dependent. With all three receivers healthy, his targets were down. I mean, four touchdowns on 16 targets with yardage that was fine but not overwhelming was pretty clearly unsustainable. And he got nine targets last game against Jacksonville, but there was no T. Higgins. It wasn't overwhelming of a line, but now I think it's finally time to accept that the guy is a borderline wide receiver, won at least 10 targets, six catches, 159 yards, and a touchdown against the Packers. He has five touchdowns this year, all of them for more than 30 yards. I had Chase as my 20th ranked wide receiver in my rest of season rankings coming into the week. That now feels egregiously low. I don't know if there's room for targets for all three Bengals wide receivers when healthy, but I do know there is room for targets for Jamar Chase. Again, basically a fantasy wide receiver one now going forward. Third takeaway is that Kadarius Tony's breakout game was a sign of things to come. So, okay, this was the perfect storm in a good way for a Kadarius Tony breakout game, right? I mean, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton were out. Saquon Barkley got injured. Kenny Galladay got injured. You're up against the secondary that bleeds points to wide receivers. But still, perfect storm or not, 13 targets, 10 catches, 189 yards receiving. That is incredibly impressive. Yeah, he got ejected for punching someone, but whatever. Nobody's perfect. The bottom line is, this is for real. You're witnessing in real time what an actual rookie breakout looks like. Pat Fitzmorris of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast tonight on Sunday mentioned something that I had been thinking about all day, which is this feels a lot like Odell Beckham Jr.'s rookie season. Remember, he was injured in the preseason, wasn't really drafted in fantasy, then he exploded and became a must-start option. I think that's kind of what we got here with Tony, who has 22 targets over his last two games. Now, question marks abound right? We don't know if Daniel Jones can play next week. We don't know if Kenny Galladay or Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton can play. We don't know what the offense looks like when they do, and the Giants play the Rams. But if Tony is out there, he is just an immediate add. And if you roster him, he's probably someone you should be starting most weeks. My fourth takeaway is I'm not saying you have to drop Allen Robinson, but you shouldn't remotely consider starting him in the near future. 
Robinson saw five targets and caught four of them for 32 yards. Guess what? That's a really good game for Robinson this year. I mean, his third best game, actually, his second highest reception total. He has fewer yards on the season than Kadarius Tony had on Sunday. And find me a reason to be optimistic on Allen Robinson, please. Any reason. Because all I have is that he has succeeded with a revolving door of poo-poo platter quarterbacks throughout his entire career. All right, but like, that's not a good enough reason anymore. I mean, there was the Brock Osweiler season where DeAndre Hopkins didn't produce, right? The Allen Robinson succeeds with poor quarterback play is not some infallible philosophy that means that we just trust him no matter what. He has stopped 35 yards receiving once, and that was just 63 yards. He has topped four receptions once, and that was six. Justin Fields is your starting quarterback going forward, and Justin Fields has 20, 17, and 20 pass attempts over the last three games. He is averaging 129 passing yards per game. He has one passing touchdown you cannot start Allen Robinson anymore. Now look, we saw Miles Gaskin resurrected today, right? After basically being completely discarded from a fantasy perspective, maybe somehow Robinson does the same at some point, but there is nothing that you can look at from an objective standpoint to suggest that Robinson is going to be a usable fantasy receiver this year. My final takeaway is that Elijah Mitchell is the running back to roster in San Francisco. It's not like Mitchell had a big game here or anything against the Cardinals, 9 for 43 on the ground, two catches for 19 yards, but Trey Sermon got one touch. He played two snaps. Now, Mitchell was more of your classic two-down back. Kyle Juszczyk continued to play on third downs a ton, and the 49ers now have a bye, and Jeff Wilson is going to be eligible to come off the pup list right after that. From everything I've seen, Wilson probably isn't coming back, though, when he's first eligible. We do need to monitor the progress, of course, because they just haven't talked about him much, but the original estimate suggested it was going to be beyond week six or even week seven. That should mean that it's Mitchell's backfield for at least a few more weeks, and really, I don't think there's that much debate about this anymore. When Mitchell is healthy, Sermon is an afterthought. So until Wilson returns, you can start Mitchell with relative confidence. And that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget to go to TickPick.com slash pros, where TickPick and Zip have teamed up to give away five season ticket NFL packages for the 2022 season. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash pros. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. <music>